It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash earnings right now. NetSuite.com slash earnings. Joining us on the telephone line, Donald Trump Jr. He's got a new book out. We're going to talk about that. It's called Triggered. But, Don, first of all, thanks for calling in. Second of all, your reaction tonight to Majority Leader McConnell saying this is going nowhere. Well, listen, I'm not surprised. I mean, you saw, you know, the vote, you know, obviously partisan with a few Democrats, uh, you know, actually coming over to the Republican side because all people need to do is read the transcript. I mean, it's sort of insane. Everything else is based on innuendo and, uh, you know, opinion. Uh, I said this a couple of weeks ago on Twitter. I go, who wants to bet, you know, the whistleblower, all these guys that come out of the woodworks end up having some sort of ties and, you know, to the left and to this and to Biden, yada, yada, yada. And of course they have. I mean, this is a sham process, Kevin. I mean, no, let's not kid ourselves. This process started on November 9th of 2016 when my father won. Uh, the Washington Post wrote their first impeachment impeachment article 19 minutes after the inauguration saying it's you know the case for the impeachment they've been trying to do this forever and the problem is you know they think it's all great and wonderful but the real people in middle america they see what it is they see the sham they just want to see him be able to do his job and they they haven't let him do that they've tried to make it difficult and the reality is he's delivering results despite that unprecedented income now if the, the democrats worked with him a little bit maybe did something like signing the usmca rather yeah than i want to talk about Nancy that Pelosi his desk for nine months. You know, she was doing that and not signing it because you know that would pass with bipartisan support. I don't think anyone even questions that. It could be done in about three minutes. It would bring, a, you know, 100,000 plus jobs to Americans. But, like, you know, that would also give a win to Trump, and we can't have that. Uh, and that's a shame, and that's the state of the American political system. I wrote the book in part because I got to experience that. I mean, you were you saw me on the campaign trail yeah. uh, during 16, but uh, Iowa shooting guns. saw what happened afterwards, right? Yeah, well, all right, so let's, let's, we've got a lot to talk about. And you mentioned USMCA or NAFTA 2.0, as they call it. In your book, you take me back to your high school years when you were at the Hill, and you yeah. talk specifically about this was, as you write in the book, Triggered, your first exposure to NAFTA and its impacts. Talk to me about that. Yeah, listen, you know, make no mistake. I'm not saying it wasn't, a, you know, a boarding school where a lot of rich kids. <laughs> like, you know, but again, I went there from eighth grade on, so my formative years. You know, I went through puberty in the Rust Belt. You know, I, I I dated girls from those towns. I had friends from the town. I mean, we, you know, I grew up in, you know, the way you know, reality is, I grew up in that Rust Belt, uh, you know, part of the country, and I saw those people and I saw the jobs. I think, you know, that resonated on the campaign trail in '16, and with my hobbies, whether it's hunting, fishing, competitive shooting, all of those things that I do. I mean, it doesn't leave me in New York much on the weekends. Uh, you know, I'm not a fixture on the New York City <laughs> charity dinner circuit. You know, I spend my time with real Americans in the real part of the country, and I see those people. And honestly, I see the Democrats in that part of the country, and then they right. come up to me like, listen, I'm a Democrat, but like, man, I wish they'd let him just do his job. 
Seems like you're doing pretty good. And when I talk to them about being a Democrat, I understand the history. I understand the tradition. But I ask those same guys, you know, those blue-collar Democrats that, you know, I think the Democrat Party has totally forgotten. uh, And certainly that resonated in 16. I go, you know, listen, I get it. You know, you, quote, unquote, would be rolling over and your grandfather would be rolling over in his grave if he knew you were voting for a Republican. But I go, you know, what would he say about today's Democrat Party platform? And the reality is this, Kevin. You know, this is not your grandfather's Democrat Party. That party has long gone. That party has left the hardworking men and women of this country long ago, and they, they got to sort of get over that tradition of voting that way because those people don't represent their values anymore. They don't represent their interests anymore, so, uh, you know, as, as you know, evidenced by, you know, most of the things that they make a big deal uh, these days legislatively, but more importantly, as evidenced by sitting on the renegotiation of NAFTA, which was a 25-year disaster, which did nothing but export our American dream to other countries to send our jobs to other places and destroy the working class of America. See, I think this is this is interesting because even now – I've been to all the Democratic debates, and it's come up a few times. But – so Elizabeth Warren says that uh, – that NAFTA, that NAFTA 2.0 or USMCA isn't liberal enough. And then you've got this divide. Biden says, you know, he's perceived, you know this, Don, he's perceived yeah. as not as not liking tariffs as much as your dad, President Trump. So when you look at the debate within the Democratic Party now, and as you told Fox News, you said that earlier today, President John F. Kennedy would have been a quote-unquote alt-right neo-Nazi terrorist if he was running as a Democrat uh, in oh, today's that's what, election. that's what they'd call him. I mean, let's not forget, first of all, Joe Biden. He gave you NAFTA, okay? He's one of the people involved in, in, in NAFTA. Joe Biden doesn't think that China is a threat to America. And by the way, neither do the other Democrats, because last time on the debate stage, they spent more time talking about Donald Trump's Twitter account than they ever did about China. They never even brought China up. Joe Biden doesn't think China's a threat because his son took $1.5 from them. So let's just say he's probably on the payroll, okay? We can't, you know, discount that. To say that China's not an actual threat to America when we've been neglecting those trade policies for so long, no one's doing. Even Chuck Schumer's like, "Oh, it's about time. We needed to, you know, fight back on this nonsense." Give me a break. You can't sell that, man. That, that, that's such nonsense. But they won't make it an issue because those aren't real issues for the Democrat Party anymore. They, like I said, the party's been hijacked by the radical left, by the socialists and the communists, and they're not worried about those kind of things. They probably are fine with it. Uh, you know, they're not fighting for the American working class. So, you know, th- that's not an issue for them. You know, they'll spend a lot of time, you know, talking about nonsense, and they want to try- stop Donald Trump, you know, having a Twitter account because they're attacking, you know, the free speech of the First Amendment. Certainly, they're attacking the Second Amendment. You know, th- they don't have that same value system that so many of those hard working Democrats. That's why when I go out there and I'm railing against Democrats, I usually just say leftists because I know a lot of good, hardworking Democrats. You know, they're, they're more Democrat, again, you know, because of tradition than actual values, but that's the way they are, and I don't want to insult them that way. But those guys, do they do have to wake up and sort of figure out that, you know, this, that their party has left them a long time ago, and the Republicans are the only ones acting in their best interest these days. Donald Trump Jr. is on the line. His new book is called Triggered. Don, I was up on Capitol Hill earlier today, and uh, and, and, and before that at the White House for Bloomberg Television. And we've been reporting in terms of the ongoing U.S.-China trade deal. But when when I was up on the Hill, I mean, so much of the conversation in the halls amongst a lot of the mainstream reporters, as well as even amongst the staff level, and they're in recess, has been about this the release of these transcripts. And I, I was thinking to myself, do, I wonder if Don thinks that this this – if Rudy Giuliani was is really the right person 
to be working for his dad. What's your assessment of how Rudy's relationship has been with President Trump? Listen, I think the relationship is great. You know, I think the reality is Rudy's a, Rudy's a fighter, so he gets up there and fights. I don't know enough about the details about what's you know actually going on there because I'm not in the administration. I frankly don't get involved. I've seen what happens, uh, you know, with that as you know being a uh, big part of the book is you know being the number two target uh, after my father of the original uh, impeachment inquiry, also known as the Russia hoax, the Mueller Inquisition. Uh, you know, so so I've been there, done that, seen it. Uh, you know, I appreciate having people that fight. I don't know the actual involvement. I don't know that it matters that much. I think the reality is my father released the actual transcripts, Kevin. Uh, you know, people seem to neglect that. Uh, you know, I read about every day, you know, democracy dies in darkness. Interesting, because, you know, they have no problem conducting an inquiry led by judge, jury, executioner Adam Schiff, who for three years peddled to the American people on TV on a daily basis that he had some sort of magical evidence that no one else had seen. Still hasn't been released, amazingly enough, after that one's over. Uh, you know, this is the guy that's making the decision. This is the guy that's deciding whether a Republican can answer, you know, ask a question or not. Who's the next witness? So after leading them, like he coached Cohen and all of those other people in the original attempt to get my father, you know, this isn't a democratic process. This isn't a fair process. And the mainstream media is more than happy to, you know, continue to be the marketing wing of the Democrat Party. You know, be out there and say, oh, no, no, this is so fair. Like, let's not kid ourselves. When they do the comparison to the Clinton uh, impeachment, no, no, Clinton had real lawyers that were able to actually be out there, to be in there, to be in the hearings, to do this. You actually had Democrats, I think 34 of them that voted for impeachment. Uh, you know, it, it was a little no, that's true. Surgery under oath. Like, it, it, it's a little different than, well, you know, some guy who's a leftist, whatever it is, you know, that worked for Biden in the past, his opinion is this when the transcript's out there, when Ukraine didn't even know about the, any kind of hold, when right. these things weren't going on. I mean, this is a farce and a sham of a process. Do you think do you, the American people see that too? Do you think President Trump should release the transcripts from Joe Biden's calls? with the Ukrainians. I'd love to say, hey, Kevin, I, you know, I, I've seen that. You know, what, what would happen? What would, the, what would that Washington media do if I went over right now to the Ukraine and got an $83,000 a month gig? Uh, minor details. I don't know anything about oil, Hunter, <laughs> and I don't know anything. Uh, I don't speak Ukrainian. Do you think they'd have a problem with that? You know, my dad's making policy decisions. No, 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 that's okay. No, he's a private businessman. You know, Don Jr., that's rich. You got rich because of your father, 100%. I don't even hide from that. I've said that my whole life. Like, I'm a, I am here and in a big part because of my father and our last name. The difference is we did that as private businessmen. Hunter Biden magically became an international businessman, okay, when his father assumed the vice presidency, was in charge of the rule. Hunter Biden gets on Air Force Two, goes to China, magically comes back with $1.5 billion in five days, when the greatest investors in the world take years to break into China. Okay, give me a break. If I did those same things... They destroy me. Yeah, but do you think – but just okay, quickly. But when but we got into the presidency, my father got – we literally stopped doing any new international deals. They don't talk about that. They run this false equivalency of, well, you're international business people. Yeah, we have deals that we started in 2010 that we have to complete. We have a contractual obligation. We voluntarily gave up. All of the business, our, a big part of what I did, I mean, it's probably why I've gotten more involved in politics, because I can't do the stuff that I was doing uh, you know, three years ago as an international businessman. We said we won't do any new deals going yeah, no, I remember to that. get rid of any impropriety. But, you know, and they say, you know, so the false equivalency that they run with between us and Hunter Biden is asinine. But no, no, but that's not my, but do you think that the, pre the president should release the transcripts of Biden's calls with the Ukrainians from his time as vice president? I, I, I think they should. 
get them all, but I, I think the you reality do. is you got to fight fire with fire. But I'd right. love to see presidents and leaders be able to have conversations with yeah. other leaders that then don't get spread all over there for you know political grandstanding and messaging. Because I think as a business guy, if I put my businessman hat on, you know, you, you need to be able to have open dialogue with you know, with allies and yeah, frankly, yeah. with adversaries. And if they're worried about then that that's going to get selectively leaked and everything that they say, no one's going to have honest dealings with you. You'll actually get nothing done. Uh, so I'd love not to see that, but that's you know that's what the media will do. You know the same media, you know who destroys Donald Trump all day long and says you know the 15 year old kids like Nick Sandman who did nothing and wore a MAGA hat, you know are homegrown terrorists. Say that Al Baghdadi, the leader of ISIS, who's doused journalists with fuel and lit them on fire. You know he's an austere religious scholar, Kevin. I mean no one believes they're getting the truth from the media anymore. It's just hey, they listen to me, Don. They listen to Bloomberg Radio Sound on. Well, you're, you're the exception, Kevin. Okay. Thank you, Don. I mean, I, you know, I'll give you, you know, the credit for being a, you know, an honest dealer uh, in, in the years that I've known you. Thank uh, you. And that's fair, but there's so few that are. There's so many that just have eliminated even the pretense of objectivity at that point, and, and that's scary. I had a, um, a, earlier today, Don Jr. is on the line. His book's called Triggered. We've got a couple more minutes with him left. I, uh, I popped into the Trump Hotel, and my colleagues have been reporting that you guys potentially might be selling this. Is there any update on that? No, listen, we'd look at it. The reality is this, because because of the deal, you have a, a hotel in D.C. and, you know, and other places where we've literally said, unlike the Bidens, uh, we said, hey, if international business, you know, from foreign governments, whatever, you know, that's sort of 90 percent of D.C., right? Uh, if we get any business from them, we're literally stroking a check back to the Treasury. But then you have all the activists group. Well, well, that guy, he worked maybe at an embassy somewhere. He bought a cheeseburger for $5, and you got to you know, do an entire audit, have accountants file. I mean, it's not worth trying to run a business that way. It doesn't make any sense. You know, so you know, we may look to sell it. If, if, it, if it makes sense, we may do that, or we'll, you know, we'll wait. And in, in five years, uh, we can get back to business as normal and be able to run it. But you know, it's sort of hard to run a business, you know, especially in D.C., when you say, hey, we won't take any of that kind of international business. That is the majority of D.C. and you expect to run a business. It's, it's a gun great control. hotel. We built an incredible asset. Um, but yeah, we'd look at that. Gun control. I know how you feel about gun control. I think everybody knows how you feel. But this mm-hmm. is something uh, that that you also know. A lot of independent voters, in particular, are paying attention to this. And and where is an area that you think, Don? And you write about this a little in your book. Where do you think there's some areas where there actually might be some bipartisanship on this incredibly polarizing issue? Well, you know, the, the problem is, Kevin, honestly, like, I'd love to see, you know, there be some bipartisanship. I mean, I, I, I cover that. I've said that. The real problem is this. I mean, I, you know, you look at a tweet from a couple of weeks ago. It was sort of, you know, Ben Shapiro said something. If someone came to his door, you know, he'd have a gun and, you know, immediately, you know, Eric Swalwell, you know, tinfoil hat brigade commander, uh, jumps in. See, this is why you need red flag laws. I mean, you're going to report Ben Shapiro under red flag laws, and that's the problem. The left is never going to deal honestly. They will always take whatever legislation they have to weaponize it against legitimate law-abiding citizens because their their goal is not to come up with better law it's to eliminate it entirely and that's the problem is they show that with all of the, they're not being genuine dealers they're not being honest dealers so i'd love to have that conversation but you know the second they get an inch the next day you know they're back in there clawing again because they're not looking to represent law-abiding citizens i mean i wish they would do something on mental health put much harsher 
penalties on those who actually break those laws. You know, look like Chicago. Okay, but they won't do that because then they're going to get called racist for actually enforcing laws. Uh, you know, it, it it doesn't work. They're not being honest dealers. I, I mean, I'd love to see something happen, but I, I truly don't believe that anyone on that side won't then immediately weaponize whether it's red flag laws or anything else to try to make it impossible for law-abiding citizens to exercise their rights. You've and said, they show it every time they open their mouth. You've said in a couple of your interviews today, and everybody's asked you, oh, is he going to run for office one day? Is he going to run for Congress? Is he going to run for Senate? So let me quickly ask you, will yeah. you if, if you were up against Chelsea Clinton, Don, for a House seat in New York, who would win, you or Chelsea? I guess it depends on what region, right? Are we north or south of Westchester County? <laughs> uh, north. North, I probably do pretty well. Uh, you know, Westchester and South, it may be harder. But, uh, you know, the reality is, you know, I, I, again, I, my only focus in politics right now is making sure my father gets reelected. I see the results. I see the job numbers. I see the economy. Yeah. I see that there's – Wait, I got one more left. question. I know, I'm not to interrupt, but I'm going to interrupt because I want to get this in. What about a yeah. senator in Wyoming? If Liz Cheney doesn't run, would you consider running in Senate in well, Wyoming? Well, I've had some people try to recruit me for that. Not, not this time around. Like I said, my only focus uh, for 2020 is getting my father reelected. I have no other political aspirations beyond that. Uh, that doesn't mean I won't do it in the future. It doesn't mean I won't stay involved. I, you know, uh, I'm, I'm into it. I like it. I, I love seeing sort of a, you know some of the new guys rising up who are willing to fight for conservative values as opposed to those who you know sort of you know they've talked about it for their entire lives, but you know they've never actually have the guts to actually stand up and push back uh, against the leftist mob. They're more concerned about being loved uh, by a media that would destroy them in two seconds uh, if they had the chance. So you. Know, so that, that's not my game. I'm there to support the guys that are going to help my father, and I think I'm going to do that very hard for the next 12 months. See, I remember – this is my last question for you. Thanks, Don Jr. The book's called Triggered. Uh, we appreciate you always stopping by uh, and making time for us on, on this program. Uh, my pleasure. You've, uh, you write about this in the book. See, so many folks know you for your strong view, particularly as it relates to guns. And they agree. Yep. They disagree. You know, we'll let them decide. But yep. this stems from your childhood. And with your grandmother and spending time with her in Czechoslovakia and, oh, your yeah. time, and your time over there when you spend a lot of time outdoors. And in the book, you write about how that was actually your first conversations about socialism and the role that she's played. Tell me about that. Yeah, uh, well, 100 percent. I mean, this is a big part of the book, and it's sort of, you know, why maybe I'm an unlikely conservative, right? I, you know, I grew up in New York City as the son of a billionaire. I went to an Ivy League school, did all that. You know, I'm not supposed to be a conservative, but I had a mother that escaped communist Czechoslovakia. I had a grandfather that you know, had that conversation with my parents, you know, the blessings that we have living in this country with our freedoms are incredible. Uh, and, and, you know, your son should see the other side. So I used to spend my summers, you know, as a kid, they're five, six years old, um, speak the language, have friends over there. And trust me, I've waited in those bread lines that everyone's glamorizing and saying they're so wonderful. I can assure you they're not when you've actually lived it. I say, you know, why is it that, you know, if socialism is so wonderful and it's becoming a mainstream you know, part of the leftist movement uh, from real candidates who are viable presidential contenders, like how come there's not someone from Eastern Europe? How come there's not someone from former Soviet Union? How come there's not someone from China, from Cuba, from Venezuela, all of these countries that have been destroyed by those systems? How come there's no one there here vouching for it, saying, no, 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 we've got to bring that here. It's such a wonderful thing. No one. 
Oh, yeah, but academics and Bernie Sanders and you know, the Warrens of the world preaching you know, these virtues. And it doesn't work. You know, I, I've seen it firsthand. I have a 93-year-old grandmother who is a tough woman, uh, tougher than most of the people and certainly my generation. You know, she hid from the Nazis for two years in the basement of her farmhouse as a, as a, in her 20s and late teens during World War II. Then she lived through communist occupation, and she calls me. You know, she watches CNN over there because that's all they have, right? No, Donnie, you, you don't understand. It always sounds so good. It always sounds so wonderful. Everything's free. Everything's great. It's not. You can't. This is a woman who's been through a lot, who's in tears for fear of the future of her grandchildren and her great-grandchildren, because she knows what those systems will eventually do and what they become. You know, that's my biggest motivator being in this fight. It's not you know, Republican, Democrat. It's fighting against that nonsense. I mean, this election's about freedom versus socialism and eventually communism, and they're not even hiding it anymore. It's not a fringe element of the party. Uh, it's truly scary, and, and it's her telling me that and relaying that story, and me as a five-year-old getting pulled out of a customs line because I was wearing a jean jacket jacket with the American flag on it, the Stars and Stripes, by a guy in a drab military outfit questioning me as to whether I was there to spread the virtues of, you know, um, capitalism as a five-year-old. You know, that was the first fear I'd ever had in my life. I've been there. I've seen it. Uh, and I promise you, I will do whatever I can to fight against that crap. It's not coming here. Donald Trump Jr. Watch. Donald Trump Jr. The book is called Triggered. Don, great to catch up with you. Appreciate the time. Thank you, Kevin. Good to be with you. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.